Well, listen, I just want to say welcome to everybody. My name is Steve Husky, lead pastor here at Faith Church. And I want you to know, I consider it such a high privilege uh, to be your pastor. You know, the apostle Paul wrote uh, to the church in Philippi and just talked about that the church that he had the privilege to plant and pastor was his joy. And I just, man, just want to tell you, man, it's my joy to be your pastor, to sow into your lives and us together, man, to be on this journey and see where God's taking us. Come on, man. I want you to know I love you, but we're blessed by a God who loves us even more. Amen. Listen, we said every week, come on, we believe that Jesus, he's the hope of the world. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your issue, your hurt, your heartache, or your habit, if you'll invite Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision that you've ever made. How many people already know that's true? Come on, can we make some noise for a good God? But listen, we are in week number three on Gatbo, God at the box office. And We've been in this journey, this series we do every year. It's one of our biggest, uh, biggest times of the year. We love to do what we do, love to be creative and uh, just go next level in what we do. And what we do is we look at some of the movies that are common in culture and we pull out some of the spiritual principles that are be, to be found, not really because we love movies necessarily. In fact, if you're new to church or new to faith church, it might bother you that we're using movies. And we just want you to know that we're taking a page out of Jesus's playbook because Jesus, what he did was he took things that were common in culture and he used them and he leveraged them to teach spiritual principles. And since movies are such a huge part of our culture, we are doing the same thing. We're not really pointing to the movie. We're using movies as the parable and pointing to scripture. Because our heart is for all of you here and all of you in Lawrenceburg. Isn't that you just show up, sit down and listen to a message and have a moment of inflection, but that you take it with you. And that at the end of the day, we're growing in our faith and we're moving forward in our spiritual journey. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, listen, I know sometimes we go through seasons where we allow our hearts to get hard towards the things of God. We go through a season of discouragement. We go through a season where we don't understand what we're going through and we wonder where God's at. Some of you are on the other side and uh, man, you're just in maybe a good place. I want you to know whoever you are, whatever you're going through, that again, that Jesus will meet you right where you are. And if you'll just surrender all that you have and just invite him in the journey, I just want to encourage you, man, God again will meet you and change your life in such a powerful and profound way. So man, our heart is to have, that's what you're gonna experience in this worship and through the word. Again, we're looking at the movie, Willy Wonka. Any Willy Wonka fans? How many people have actually saw the movie Willy Wonka? When I'm not talking about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory because the Johnny Depp version was just plain weird. <laughs> any, how many people saw the Johnny Depp version? Raise your hand, come on, Lawrenceburg. How many saw the Willy Wonka, the original version? How many people have never seen either of those movies? Where have you been? <laughs> now, here's what's crazy is looking back at watching that movie, right now, because of streaming, we have this wonderful thing that you can go to all of these multiplicity of streaming platforms, and you can find almost anything you want to watch on demand. And it's amazing, but I came from a different generation. Come on, where's all my gray hair people at? Different generation, if you're 40 plus, you grew up where you didn't have any kind of streaming at all. The streaming was you had to wait for once a year when they played Willy Wonka. You had to look in this thing called a TV guide. Come on, somebody. The paper you had to kind of find. So you had to wait once a year. Then you had to realize it was on and you had to be at that place at that time or you missed it. And bathroom breaks, come on, anybody remember bathroom breaks back in the day? Like three people would run for the bathroom and then fight because someone would scream from the room, it's on, and you'd have to like leap onto the couch because you don't want to miss any of it. That's my generation. But this past week, uh, two weeks ago, uh, I got to lean back into the movie of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. It's such a cool movie. Um, again, man, I love Gene Wilder. Did such a fabulous job with the part. 
But if you've not seen the movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is about Willy Wonka, the candy man. He is the owner and operator and creator of all the candy produced by Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And he has, as a person, been in seclusion. He closed the gates to his factory because people were trying to steal um, his ingredients and steal the stuff he was creating and his ideas. And so the movie is about him basically creating this opportunity for five different people to come and get an inside look into the factory and potentially win, potentially win a lifetime supply of chocolate. Where's my chocolate people at? Now, I just got to tell you, as a kid, the idea of golden tickets and a lifetime supply of chocolate, I'm just, as a kid, like, man, that just captured my heart because I am a true through and through. I love me some chocolate, not candy. Like Wonka candy is kind of like nerds and, you know, all the stuff that's real crunchy and sugary, but where's my, where's my purest? Where's my chocolate people? How many people love a good bar of chocolate? Come on, Lawrenceburg. I got, I got a couple options up here. Now, if you're talking about chocolate, you can always start with the base version. This is like entry-level chocolate. This is chocolate 101. I mean, it's just a Hershey bar. What's in it? Just chocolate. Is anybody a chocolate, a Hershey's fan? Who, who likes just a good bar of chocolate? I'm going to kill somebody. Catch it. If you miss, don't sue me. I told you I'm throwing it. And if you like something a little more adventurous than just entry-level, if you want to go 2.0, Come on, there's nothing wrong with a good Snickers bar. Come on, you got the chocolate, you got the nougat, you got the peanuts. Anybody a Snickers? Anybody down with some Snickers? Come on, DJ. Nice. Oh, man, come on, bro. I threw that right to you. If you can put hands on it, you got to catch it. Right there. Now, this bar was created. I like this bar. I'm going to be honest. I like this bar. This bar was created to share with a friend. It's not just... Come on, I see you, girl. I ain't even got to ask right there. You share with a friend. How many people share with a friend? You lie. Ain't none of ain't nobody ever broke one off. In fact, you don't even, I don't even break it off. I just bite the whole thing. Now, this one is similar to the last model. It's an upgrade version. Share with a friend. We still don't share, but when you mix chocolate with cookies, I would give it to you, but I feel like I'd be a stumbling block to you. Come on, who's a, who, I mean, you got to be a real Twix fan. This kid right here in the shirt, right here. Now, this is my show. I'm preaching. You get a platform. You can decide what your favorite candy bar is. But in my estimation, this candy bar is all time, one of the best. It comes in first every time, every year. Come on, it is the Reese Cup. Hey, come on, can we make some noise for the Reese Cup? James. Give that to my security guy. <laughs> now, listen, come on. We worship Jesus. Come on, and we gave away chocolate. We can pray and go home right now. <laughs> now, here's what you need to know. Come on, again, I'm, I'm truly a chocolate fan. I love candy bars way too much. But did you know, maybe you didn't know this, but did you know that if you eat the wrong kind of candy or you eat too much of that candy, if you got a nut allergy, it can kill you? Did you know that too much chocolate, obviously, I was, I was raised in this generation, we were told it'll rot your teeth out. Did you know that too much chocolate is connected to depression, heart disease, weight gain? I mean, do y'all feel the mood dropping here? <laughs> so what's crazy is, man, we love a good candy bar, but there's so many repercussions connected to eating either the wrong candy or too much candy. 
I just want you to hear this real quick because this is where we're going to go. Is that our choices have consequences. Our choices, something even as simple as eating a chocolate bar can have consequences. And when you lean into the movie of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, that's really the theme. It's not, about, it's not about golden tickets and Oompa Loompas. At the heartbeat of the movie, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, it is a movie about choices and consequences. Again, remember that there are five golden tickets, five kids find the gold for the five golden tickets, and they're invited into Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And as the movie plays out, what happens? They each make bad choices. And they all, one after another, experience consequences, right? We remember Augustus. Remember the sturdy kid? That's a politically correct way to say it. The sturdy kid, Augustus, he goes in. Even though, right, Willy Wonka's behind him telling him, hey, don't touch the chocolate river. That's not for human hands. He's down on the edge of the river, and he's just sopping up this liquid chocolate. And what happens? He falls into the river, and he gets sucked up a tube. Anybody else have an anxiety attack when Augustus is in the tube? Again, choices and consequences. And it goes from there. And the next you have, um, the next you have Violet, right? And Violet, she's a gum chewer. And Willy Wonka is designing this three-course meal gum. And he tells her, hey, it's not ready yet. Don't touch it. And she just ignores him. And she chooses to eat anyway. And she blows up to like this huge plum. Again, it's kind of devastating as a kid. And then the girl that should have been punched in the throat out of the gate, Veruca Salt, she is either incredibly or not obnoxious, or she played that part magnificently because I hated her out of the gate. This spoiled, rotten brat, I want it now. I want it now, daddy. And in the factory, she wants a golden goose, and she ends up getting put down the chute, even though Willie warns her. And then you have Mike TV, who's all about TV, watching TV, wants to be on TV one day. And inside of the factory, he steps into this thing at the warning and the behest of Willy Wonka, and he gets shrunken down, literally. And so you see one by one, each of the first four choices have consequences. And it all culminates to the end of the movie where this guy is the main character, this kid, Charlie Buckets, which, which sounds like a kid you don't want to gamble in the playground playing basketball. And Charlie Bucket also experiences that choices have consequences, right? He steals the fizzy lifting drinks and he loses the lifetime supply of chocolate. And here's where we're going today is a lot of us are like Charlie. We've experienced consequences because of the choices we make. But if you're taking notes, here's where I think it's important for us to go is we all live with this disconnect between what's now and what's next. So when I talk about choices and consequence, like here and in Lawrenceburg, I know like we're nodding our head. And the, the challenge is when we tend to live on purpose, like we're trying to reach an, a, a specific end or a purposed end for working towards something, we can quickly make the connection that there, is, there are consequences to our choices. The problem is most of us are not always living with that mindset. We don't always realize even your unintended decisions have consequences. Right? Every time you make a decision, there's fallout. Every time you make a decision, there are some consequences. Think about our life as past, present, and future. Decisions you are making right now are determining the future direction of your life. Decisions you're making right now in the moment that you're going to make tomorrow this week, it's going to determine the direction of your life in the future. And at the same time, some of us, we fail to realize that our present situation is a result of previous uh, uh, decisions that we've made. We made a decision and now we are where we are. 
Think about it like this. How many of us in this room, we gained a little bit of weight since high school? Wave at me. Oh, come on. Y'all put your arm up loud and proud. Come on. Some of you gained that freshman 15 or that sophomore 20. And at some point, I'm just going to tell you, if, listen, if you're like, if you're a teenager, you're early 20s, I'm just going to, newsflash, that metabolism will slow down on you. Come on, there was a time we thought we could just eat whatever we wanted, eat as much as we wanted, eat as late as you wanted, and like every day you woke up and there were six-pack abs staring back at you in the mirror. I promise you, those days are short-lived. <laughs> Can I just get an amen in the house? And we just don't realize it because we just think, hey, man, we're just going to eat 20 pizza rolls at midnight, and it's just no big deal. And we've come in the house late, and it's, it's, just, it's just no big thing. But I want you to know something. Again, your choices have consequences. It will show up on the scale. It, sh it will show up in your health. Right? And I, one of the things that I continue to have to remind myself about is that you can't outwork a bad diet. It doesn't matter how hard you work out. It doesn't matter how many miles you put on the treadmill. It doesn't matter how many uh, moments you put in the gym. Listen, you can't outwork a bad diet. There are consequences to the decisions we make about what we eat and how we take care of ourselves. Can I just get an amen? And some of you, you're there and you are sowing specific choices. You're making good decisions. Like you've decided you're going to eat healthy, you've decided you're going to put in time working out, and you are experiencing the benefits, the consequences of those choices. It's the same way with our finances. Come on, some of you in this room, you are currently experiencing the fallout of bad financial decisions. You've been living well above your means, you've been spending right uh, money you don't have on credit cards. And now here you are, like it didn't really show up when you just bought the pair of shoes, it didn't really show up when you bought the second thing. But now you look back and you've been, you've been making these decisions so long, they've determined the destination of where you're at financially. That as you look at where you are, your, your current situation is based on previous decisions. Because when you cons consistently spend above your means, live outside of your financial ability, it eventually will catch up to you and it will affect your home. It will affect your finances. It will affect your credit score. Come on, somebody. And some of us in this room, we're on the other side. And man, we've been diligent. We've been, we're tithers and we're givers and we're putting away for retirement. And I want you to know, eventually you're going to experience some good consequences from the choice you're making because all of our choices, come on somebody, choices have consequences. Let me just talk to the students in the house. Whether you're college, high school, whatever. Listen, I just want you to know something. Like choices have consequences. You can either get the project done and stay up late and study for the test or you can watch Outer Banks. You choose. But choices have consequences. And so the issue is when you look through, like all of us know this, but think about this. Think about how many decisions all of us make in a given day. We make relationship decisions. We make health decisions. We make career decisions. We make marriage decisions. We make parenting decisions. We make decisions all day, every day. And again, the challenge for most of us is we don't understand in the moment of making the, the decision how much that is truly determining the direction and the destination of our life. And until we make that connection that the decisions we're making are influencing our future, we will not make decisions intentionally the way God wants us to because all of our choices have consequences. And so this principle is really big in fact, you find it throughout Scripture. It's, it's everywhere you look. Paul talked about it. Jesus talked about it. This idea that our choices have consequences, it's in the New Testament and it's in the Old Testament. And so we're going to look at a couple places where this is found because, again, I think the hope is that all of us are going to realize how powerful our decisions are, how much they're determining where we are and where we're going, that maybe God would move some, a specific area of your life that you begin to make different choices, that you can get to a different place in life. And so the first place that it's found is all the way back in the book of beginnings. 
This principle that we're about to talk about is so important that God made sure it's in the very beginning of creation. Think about that. So God makes everything right. Genesis is the book of beginnings. God makes the birds in the air. He makes the fish in the sea, the animals on the ground. God makes mankind. Could you all hear that? Anyways, so he makes everything. And then he tells as he's making the garden that Adam and Eve are in. Watch this. Here's what God says. I want us to read this together. Then God said, let the land sprout vegetation, every sort of seed bearing plant and the trees that grow seed bearing fruit. Then seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. And then God tells Adam and Eve after he sets that principle in place, watch this. Then God said, come on, shout that word. Look, oh, come on, you all got to help me out, Lawrenceburg. Then God said, Look. pay attention, heads up, red alert. Look what I'm trying to show you. Then God said, look, I've given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit, uh, all the fruit trees for your food. Now, this is important. I want you to see this. So God sets it up and he says, hey, Adam, I made a garden. I already put the trees in motion. He says, but if you want more fruit, you're going to have to plant more seeds that develop more trees that give you more fruit. Are you all seeing that? God is establishing this principle. It's called sowing and reaping. And what God is saying is if you want more apples, then you better take a seed out of a previous apple. And if you'll plant that seed, if you'll sow that seed, there will be a harvest. There will be an outcome based on the seed you plant. So whatever you plant, that's what you're going to harvest. Whatever you put in the ground, that's what you're going to get out, sowing and reaping. The type of root determines the type of fruit. And you look at it and you're like, come on, pastor, I'm not, I'm like, I've never planted a tree in my life. On purpose. Like I've planted some driving down the side of the road when I threw an apple core out and I thought I was going to plant a tree. Come on, I know I'm not the only one. If it worked, there would be apple trees everywhere in America along the side of the road. Like, I, what does this have to do with me, Pastor? Because what God is doing is He's not talking to them about agriculture, He's talking to them about life. He is using the principle of farming to demonstrate this principle in life that whatever you sow, you reap. Your choices have consequences. You know how I know this is true? Because not long after this happens, God tells Adam and Eve this. Listen, you can eat from any tree in the garden except that tree right there. It's off limits. And you have to choose to obey me or disobey me. And their disobedience leads to disconnection. So here they are standing on the outside of the garden. They've been kicked out. They're disconnected from their creator. And they're standing there wondering like, how did I get here? Do you know how we got here, Adam? Eve, do you know how we ended up here? Because we made a choice there. Our choice is have consequences. Our decisions are leading us in a direction. And the quicker we can realize how important that is, the faster we can begin to live the life that God wants us to live. And so they get kicked out of the garden and you move just a handful of chapters forward and you find the story of Noah's Ark. God floods the world because of evil and wickedness. God starts over. The floods come. Noah's on the ark with his family. At some point, the waters begin to recede. Noah walks off the ark. And you know what God says? He says, this is so important. I don't want you to forget the principle. Here's the first thing God tells Noah when he walks off the ark. Watch this. As long as the earth remains, come on, everybody read this with me. Come on, Lawrenceburg. As long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day or night. 
I just describe any given day in Alabama. <laughs> Come on. But I want you to notice what God says. God says, hey, the principle I gave Adam and Eve, it wasn't just for the garden. The principle I gave Adam and Eve, it, it's not just for them. It's not just before sin. It's after sin. It's for all people all time. As long as planet Earth is planet Earth, until an asteroid crashes into this planet, until this planet crashes into the sun, until whatever God's going to do that ends creation, I want you to know, as long as Earth remains, the principle... The principle of sowing and reaping, the principle of choices have consequences is in play. And again, it's bigger than farming. It's bigger than what we, it's bigger than gardening. It's about growing. Harvest and planting, sowing and reaping. And this principle, again, we see it everywhere. Everywhere you look in scripture, God gives us this example that you can intentionally plant something and you can get something back. In fact, there's one of the, to me, one of the best parables. It's the parable of the sower where Jesus talks about this farmer went out to sow seed and he says this, and the seed was the word of God. Did you know you can sow God's word? Did you know you can speak God's word over a situation? You can speak God's word over your kids. You can speak God's word. You can say what culture says. You can say what God says. But did you know when you sow God's word as seed, you get a harvest out of it? Let's go, somebody. The seed is the word of God. Jesus also taught in Luke chapter 17 that, that, that faith is a seed, that you can plant faith into a situation. Either we can live by fear or we can live by faith, and we can plant seed because faith is like a mustard seed, and just that small seed can move mountains. Come on, somebody. We can make a choice of what we're sowing, and we can get a return. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, the Apostle Paul is talking about all of our favorite subject, money. Oh, pastor went there today. And he said, you know what? I, I, can, I can tell you something about the harvest you're getting based on the seed you're planting. He said, he who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, which means on some level, the level of your financial stability is based on the level of your financial giving, sowing and reaping. I'll tell you another thing. I don't know how many of us are paying attention to the news, but there was a pretty massive earthquake, unfortunately, again in Haiti. I want you to know because we sow seed, one of the ways we we follow God's principles as we're givers here so we can see a harvest of God's kingdom in the world. One of our kingdom builder partners is already on the ground, convoy of hope, making a difference to rescue, to feed the hungry, and to take care of broken, hurting people. That's because of your generosity. So come on, we, we sow money, we sow the word of God. You can sow righteousness. Did you know you can sow into your kids? Come on, somebody. The quality of your kids is based on the choices you're making right now. God's word says, listen, if you'll raise up a kid in the way that they should go, when they get old, they'll not depart from it. You know what he's saying? You're gonna get a harvest down the road based on how you're parenting today. I know it may not look like that, but listen to me, all of our choices always have consequences. And we can sow our own personal words. Come on, somebody. Did you know you can speak life to somebody or you can speak death? You can either tell somebody how amazing they are, how great they are, or you can tell somebody, uh-uh. Come on, if your wife, come on, listen, I was going to tell you something. If your wife asks you the question, baby, do I look good in these? The answer is always, come on, husband, the answer is always. And if you'll say yes, there's a harvest coming. <laughs> Woo, go ahead, I'm married. You hate me all you want, I'm married, I'm allowed. Come on, sowing and reaping. Decisions and direction. Choices and consequences. And so he says, hey, this, this principle is always in play. It's always in place when you mean to do it, when you don't mean to do it. When you're aware of it and when you're unaware of it. In your relationships, when you're dating somebody, handling your money, handling your career path, decisions you make on the job, decisions you're making as a student, all of your ethical decisions, all of your moral decisions, your spiritual journey, all of it 
is subject to this principle that all of our choices, all of them have consequences. The Apostle Paul, he brings us full circle. After the principles established, we see it play out in Scripture over and over and over. The entire book of Proverbs, you know what it's about? Sowing and reaping. If you'll, if you'll plant wisdom, if you'll make wise decisions, it'll work out for you. And if you're in a place that you don't like, maybe it's because you're making decisions you shouldn't have made. All of our choices have consequences. And the Apostle Paul, he says it this way in Galatians chapter 6. He says this, he says, do not be misled. I want you, come on, let's read this together. Every voice, Lawrenceburg, come on, together, one church. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So he says, you will always harvest what you plant. Say that, you will always harvest what you plan. And the big idea here that Apostle Paul gets to, he's really talking about our relationship with God, our spiritual connection, who we really are. And he says, if you're making decisions to constantly appease culture or to constantly appease temptation, he says, there's a harvest coming for that. And it's death and destruction. He says, but if you're intentionally sowing seed to honor who God is and to honor your relationship with God, he says, man, there's, 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 a, there's a harvest from that too and it's eternal life. So he says, at the end of the day, watch this. This is so powerful. You get to choose your harvest. You get to choose your marital harvest. You get to choose your financial harvest. You get to choose your spiritual harvest. And it's all based on the decisions we're making, the choices that drive everything we do every single day. Now, I got to say this because as you read this principle that you will always harvest what you plant, it sounds like, and I hear people talk about this and just, I'm going to take a little side road. I hear a lot of Christians say this, and if you're a Christian, you need to stop saying this. And if you're not a Christian, you can keep saying it until you become a Christ follower, then you need to quit saying it. A lot of people hear this and say, oh, karma. And I see people, even Christians on Facebook, like something happens, they're like, oh, that's karma. As Christ followers, we do not believe in because God's word does not teach karma. There is a difference, radical difference between karma and sowing and reaping. And here's the difference, so you'll stop saying it. Karma is Buddhism or Hinduism, and it is the principle that all of us are on an endless cycle of reincarnation, and the decisions you make in this life will show up in the next life. And we don't believe in that because God's word says it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment, which means you get one life to live to the fullest, to live under the principles and powers of God, and then one day we will all stand before God and give an account of our life and enter into eternity. So there is no reincarnation. It's one and it's done. It's not karma. It's sowing and reaping. Come on, somebody. No karma, sowing and reaping. And so here's what he says. He says, hey, he says, you will always harvest what you plant. Every time, there's always a harvest coming. If you're taking notes, sowing and reaping is later and greater. When I say that, I mean, and anybody here that does any kind of gardening at all, you know this is true. Nobody ever takes a seed and puts it in the ground and the next day walks out and you got tomatoes. It takes time for that thing to bloom. It takes time for the blossom. It takes time for fruit to develop. Sowing and reaping, I want you to hear this. The decisions you make is always later and greater, which means you didn't get caught Monday. Nothing happened Tuesday. No bad fallout on Wednesday. And so you think, hey, I'm good. Later and greater, there will always be a harvest. 
And on the flip side, I want to challenge you because this principle works to our benefit as well. If you're here, man, and you're honoring God, you're doing the best, like all of your buddies and all your homeboys, all your girls, like they're out hanging out doing things that you know you shouldn't do as a Christ follower. You're trying to honor God with your life. You're trying to, show, you're trying to, you're trying to surround yourself with godly friends and godly influence. Sometimes it can feel like you're missing out. God says, no, later and greater. You keep being faithful to me, and God says, I'll be faithful to you. Some of you, come on, are trying to avoid the wrong person in a relationship, and you found somebody because you refuse to be alone. You don't want to be alone. You're making compromises in your, in, your, in your Christianity that you shouldn't make, and eventually they're going to push you over the edge, and you're going to end up sleeping with them. You're going to feel like, if I don't sleep with them, they're going to leave me, and I don't want to be alone. I'm telling you, be faithful to God. It may not happen Monday. It may not happen Tuesday, but if you honor God, God will bring the right person in your life that he planned before you, for you before you were ever born. I believe that with all of my heart. Come on, sowing and reaping. Later and greater, it will eventually bring in a harvest. Bad decisions will eventually bring a bad harvest. Good decisions will eventually bring a good harvest later and greater. Simple principle of harvest is you always get more than you plant. You plant one apple seed, you get a tree full of apples, full of seeds, later and greater. Now, when I hear people talk about this idea, there's a couple of things I want, I want us to hit, especially when it comes to later and greater, is a lot of times I feel like people say this, hey, pastor, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Like nothing's changing yet, Pastor. Like I'm financially doing the best I can, or our marriage. Like man, we're doing the best we can. Raising our kids, we're doing the best we can. Like nothing's changing. Later and greater, you might be doing the best you can now, but you've been living wheels off for five years. Oh come on, somebody. Like I, I wish it was this way. I wish I could wake up one day and say, "Listen, man, that's it. I'm getting fit," and then be fit. Listen, I, I know some people are on the fence about the vaccination. I shouldn't even bring that up. But listen, wherever you're at with that is what it is. If there's a pill that comes out that gives you abs of steel overnight, I'm taking it. <laughs> CDC says yes or no, I'm on the pill. Come on, how many people is with me? Because we want immediate results. No, no, the principle of sowing and reaping is later and greater. You will always harvest what you sow. You will always get back what you plan. All your decisions lead somewhere. All of our choices have consequences. And so I'm just here to tell you again, if, if you've been struggling with this idea, like, hey, I, I've been trying. Listen, sometimes it takes time to turn around the life. Why God's grace can forgive you in a moment, it takes time to turn around the harvest. It takes time. Listen, if you've been living way above your means and you decided one day, I'm going to start giving, I'm going to start tithing, it doesn't mean God's going to automatically bless your finances, this place that you have no problem. It takes time to get out of debt. It takes time to get things paid off. But if you'll stay faithful to the path that you know honors the principles of God's word, I promise you he'll bless you. You know why? Because you always reap what you sow. There are always consequences to the choice you make. Come on, how many people know that's true? Here's, here's the other thing I think is really important. I hear people talk about when it comes to this principle is notice what Paul says. Paul says you will always harvest what you plant unless you ask for forgiveness. No, he doesn't say that because a lot of times we want to make bad decisions and then just tell God we're sorry and then we don't have any fallout. 
And God says, listen to me, you can ask for forgiveness. And here's the beautiful thing about the God we serve. Come on, Lawrenceburg, this is so powerful. Did you know God said, he, he said this, he said, if we will confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, which means there is no sin greater than the grace of God. When you come to God with a humble heart, he will always meet you where you are. He will always forgive you of your sin and he will always restore your relationship with him. Come on, somebody. But... But if you're taking notes, heavenly forgiveness doesn't cancel earthly fallout. I know there's so many Christians that are like, but pastor, I, I know I made some bad choices and I like, man, I'm in a bad place. And like, I, I, I ask God to forgive me. Listen, you can be okay relationally this way and still be broken relationally this way. Listen, you can't mistreat your spouse for years and years, come to Jesus, ask him to forgive you, and your marriage be fixed in one day. It just doesn't work that way. I know there are lots and lots of people who are in prison today who had to reach rock bottom, who had to reach the bottom of the barrel. Then they came to Jesus, and God forgave them. They're now children for God. But you know what? Still in prison. They love Jesus, but they're still behind bars. Do you know why? Because forgiveness doesn't cancel earthly fallout. Come on, somebody. Did you know that you can, you can have a one-night stand and you don't even know their name? And you can wake up the next morning with a heart full of regret saying, man, God, I crossed the line. I did a thing that I know goes beyond my relationship. I know dishonors you. Father, will you forgive me? And I want you to know God will meet you right where you are and he'll forgive you of your sin and he'll restore your relationship with you. But that doesn't change. And potentially nine months later, you got a baby that's now determined the entire direction for your life. And so what God's word is trying to teach us is this powerful principle that all of our choices have consequences. And regardless of how much you love Jesus, those consequences are still coming. So we get to choose. If you want a powerful marriage, if you want healthy finances, if you want to be physically strong, if you want to have a, a healthy relationship with God, then it's based on the choices you're making and the decisions you're deciding each and every day, each and every situation is determining the direction and the destination of your life. Choices have consequences. As I was getting ready for this message, thinking about this, I really, I don't title my messages, <clears throat> but I wanted to title this one. And so if you, if you ever write anything down, this is a good title. I wanted to title this message, Tattoos and Ice Cream. <laughs> Isn't that a great title? Here's why. Uh, I've had a conversation recently with my, my son. He's 17 years old and uh, he's decided that he wants a tattoo. Listen, you, I'll take care of my home. You take care of your home. I can tell people got some attitudes like, mm-hmm. And so we're just having these conversations. And I'm just going to tell you, like, I, you know, tattoos are much more culturally accepted than they've ever been. Lots of people have tattoos. I have nothing against tattoos. If you're going to point to me Leviticus and, you know, that we're not to mark our bodies for the dead, that's not what's happening in culture today at all. So stop taking scripture out of, re out of, out of reference. And, um, but I'm having this conversation because that's my responsibility as a parent. So, and plus he needs my permission and he don't have it yet. And so I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm even, I'm kind of for tattoos. I thought about getting one. In fact, Pastor Mitch, our campus pastor, I've told you guys before, we've been best friends for years. And uh, he, if you know him, he has sleeves. He didn't always have sleeves. But one of the, one of the first tattoos he got is a, is a tattoo of Jesus that actually we were going to get together and he got his and I didn't get mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those friends. <laughs> and so I just never got one. And now like, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I was going to get one. And I was like 40, I was going to get one. Now I'm almost 50 years old. I'm like, Gosh, if I get one at this point, I'm just one of those guys. But I might still get one. Who knows? But anyways, so my son's like, hey, dad, you know, can I get one of these? Because he needs permission. So here's what I told him. Now, listen to this. I said, son, I said, you need to understand, like, 
not everybody frowns on tattoos, but tattoos carry, whether you like it or not, a certain amount of certain kind of stigma, especially based on what the tattoo is and where the tattoo is located. If you have tattoos on your face, Jesus loves you. You're welcome here, but you're probably unemployed. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> now, this is a fact. It comes with a stigma. Don't get mad at me. Everybody's mad at me. I don't care. <laughs> so I'm just talking like where you put it, how big it is, what it looks like. And my son says this to me. Are you ready? He's like, Dad, I don't care what people think. I was like, that's a good one, son. Because we live in a world, let's be honest, as Christ followers, we shouldn't be influenced by the culture of this world. On one hand, we shouldn't care what they think. I don't care what they think about Jesus or me serving the Lord or me, what I do with my life to honor God. I don't care what this world thinks. But at the same time, there are some people we are subject to, and because we're subject to them, we have to care what they think. So I just told him, I was like, listen, son, I know you may not care what people think, but first of all, a tattoo's permanent. It's on there forever, and there's lots of things I thought were cool when I was 17. There's people I dated before I was 17. I should have been married three times before I was 17. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? I should have had three girls' names and then crossed off, finally, Shauna. Oh, come on, somebody. So I said, I know, but first of all, it's permanent. And number two, you may not care what people think, but you're going to walk into a job and they may care. So until you start your own business, you better care what people think because they're not going to give you a job. You may not care what other people think, but you, you, uh, you're on the team of a basketball team and you're on the team of a football team and you better care what the coaches think. So I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is you're going to sew a tattoo. There's going to be some consequences. I'm not telling you don't worry. I'm not telling you like uh, you can't get the tattoo. You just need to be aware that your choices have consequences. Tattoos and ice cream. So this past week, my son, he went and one of his chores in the house is to empty the trash. And so he opens the drawer where the trash is and a miracle happened. Are y'all ready? I'm telling you, the heavens opened and the angels, the angels sang. My son took the trash out without me even telling him. It was a glorious moment. So he reaches in, he opens the door, throws some away. He sees both of them are full, so he takes it out. And he's pulling the first bag out, and there's an empty ice cream container in the thing. He's like, who ate all the ice cream? He said, we, this is like Wednesday. He says, we just opened this up Sunday. I opened it up, and I didn't even eat very much. Who ate all the ice cream? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sitting at the bar, not the liquor kind, like just the bar. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so I didn't really want to lie and say it wasn't me. I just kind of hinted it probably wasn't me. <laughs> and so he doesn't say too much, so he takes the trash out. Well, later, Shauna comes home. So we have two daughters who are both out of the house. So now it's just Shauna, me, and Zach. And Zach says to Shauna, who ate all the ice cream, implying her, which she says, I didn't have any of that ice cream. And they both look at me. <laughs> See, when one of the daughters was living at home, like I could always be like, I don't know, maybe Kay laid it. Now, here's the thing. I was kind of embarrassed to say I ate it because I emptied a tub. I'm still on message, I promise. Because Monday night, so he ate some Sunday. So Monday night, I get the call. Come eat me. I heard it calling, I swear. Bluebell has a very distinct voice. So I go and I get a bowl, put it back in the freezer, and then the next night, she comes calling again. My affair with Bluebell. 
And anybody else do this? I go and I get a bowl and I fill the bowl up, but there's some left in the, but there's not really enough that anybody else, like there's not enough for a whole bowl. So I just ate it all. Woo. I'll start speaking in tongues up here talking about bluegrass. And so I threw it away and I thought I stuck it down. And this is how you know when you're doing wrong when you try to hide it. But I didn't hide it very good. Now here's, this is my point. This is my point. There's nothing wrong with a bowl of ice cream Monday night. But I'm just telling you, I, I can't eat ice. I could eat ice cream for a living. That's the truth. But you can't eat ice cream Monday and Tuesday and bowls and big bowls and heaping bowls and it not catch up to you. You just, you can, but all of our choices have consequences. You want to get a tattoo? Get a tattoo. There's consequences. You want to eat ice cream? Eat all the ice cream you want. There's consequences. You want to dishonor your wife talking to her that way? You can, but there's consequences. You don't want to have your kids in church? That's okay. Your choice, but there's consequences. You want to slack off and be lazy on the job? You can do that. That's okay. There's consequences. You want to spend above your means and buy stuff you can't afford and live on credit cards? You can, but there are consequences. You want to honor God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? You can. There's great consequences. You want to live healthy? You want to be tithers and givers? You want to lay aside something for when you're tired? You can, and you'll reap that harvest. If you're taking notes, this is where I want to end. If you want to change the course of your life, change the choices of your life. The principle God gives us, it says, you get to determine where you're at tomorrow based on the decisions you're making today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord. I pray that all of us in this room would really understand and be more aware than we've ever been of the power of our choices. That God, they really are leading our life. They're determining our future. So God, help us all to be more intentional in every area of our life and the choices we're making to live the life that you came to bring us. Father, I thank you in advance for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agreed said amen.